Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Erin Barker about her first solo picture book, Mr. Pumpkin's Tea Party, due out on September 10th from Blue Manatee Press, which is sponsoring this podcast. Erin Barker is an author and illustrator based in Cincinnati, Ohio. She also shares her love of storytelling as a bookseller and teacher of creative writing workshops for kids. In her solo debut, Mr. Pumpkin's Tea Party, readers are invited to join a Halloween-themed soiree, along with an assortment of spooky characters, counting up to 13 along the way. Thank you for speaking with me, Erin. Thanks for having me. How did you conjure up the idea for this festive counting book? Well, it started with a fun little sketch that I just did on Instagram for Inktober, uh, which is a fun little drawing exercise for illustrators and authors during the whole month. And um, I just draw, I drew a pumpkin and a skeleton having tea together. And they were both kind of dressed like these proper English gentlemen. And they were saying things like, indeed, and I dare say. And I just loved the sketch so much. And then actually my editor came to me at a Christmas party then the following year. And she said, hey, I saw this sketch on your Instagram. And I think it would make a really, really fun picture book. And I was like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) So it kind of came from that. Was it challenging to balance the spooky Halloween theme with the warm and welcoming tome that you strike? It actually was because the original sketch was just a little bit creepier than the style that I ended up landing on for the book. Um, So we worked really hard, especially for the skeleton, Sir Bones, to not be super creepy um, and really like freak kids out because it really is meant to be for for younger kids. And so I made sure that actually the skeleton character was kind of a portly, friendly looking skeleton. He's kind of got this paunch and a little like bow tie and he just looks really adorable um, just to make sure (laughs) that we weren't going to freak kids out for it. (laughs) At the same time, kids definitely do appreciate the dark and somewhat spooky elements. Yeah, for sure. I, I hope so. Definitely. I wanted to strike a good balance between like fun, spooky, um, but not outright scary. This is your solo debut, but not your first time illustrating a picture book. That's correct. What was it like working as both author and illustrator this time? It was simultaneously really exciting and also terrifying (laughs) because there was no one else's work that I could kind of hide behind. (laughs) Um, This being like only me and purely just coming from my own brain, it's a lot scarier just then if people don't like it, then (laughs) they really don't like it. (laughs) So, um, but it's also just been really exciting because it's all my ideas. And what was the revision process like with your editor? Um, We actually went back and forth a whole lot trying to nail down the manuscript and to really find a balance between a book that would be a really good read aloud 
and a book that um, both kids and parents could get something out of. The vocabulary is a little bit more elevated than you would normally see with a counting book, um, and so kind of can lend itself to a slightly older audience. But what I would really like is that it just becomes a good read aloud that parents can sort of explain some of the longer words. We have soiree and a couple of French words like adieu. And just being able to introduce a few larger vocabulary words to kids is really uh, fun and exciting for me. I remember as a child, my mom always loved reading books to us that she also got something out of. And there were books that she could find little Easter eggs for her. She absolutely would get those books for us. And those were the ones that she really tried to push us towards reading. And so I definitely had my mom in mind in making this book. So to find a good balance of stuff that kids are going to immediately get and find like there is there is a black cat on every page and kids love trying to find the black cat. Um, but then also extending that to slightly older kids who can um, start to understand some of these larger vocabulary words. In terms of writing and drawing, do you find that one comes more naturally to you as a mode of storytelling? Well, I've always, always loved drawing. That's always been just kind of an extension of myself. But only recently have I professionally branched out into writing as well. So that one feels a whole lot less natural. Um, feels like I'm I'm trying a lot harder with that. So it's been a lot scarier kind of branching in um, to authorship. But yeah, drawing has always been a part of my childhood and my life. My parents are both graphic designers and were art education majors. And so they really, really encouraged both my sister and I to draw, to explore those um, those artistic avenues, especially visually. And so that always was a part of my childhood. And then my love for storytelling just naturally kind of branched into then creating the, the words for those worlds as well. I actually made a picture book in my senior year of high school for a project. And I was just so in love with the whole process. And so since then, I kind of dabbled in graphic design and uh, moved more towards simply creating images. But now I've kind of come back to creating the whole story. And I really, really love doing that. I'm curious, do you remember the premise or the hook of that student project? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was called Leo and Selsden. And it was about these two bears and they were brothers and they were completely different. And it was loosely based on my sister and I. And one of them loved reading. It was me. <laughs> and the other did not. And the other was sort of like this adventurous, go outside, you know, do things, was kind of this hyperactive sort of kid. And the other brother always wanted to be inside reading books. And the, the one that always wanted to be outside was like, oh, books are boring. They're no fun. There's no, there's no action to them. And the one who loved reading was like, no, would argue and say, no, there's endless worlds to be discovered in, in these books. And so they end up going on a treasure hunt outside and 
I think at the end, they end up finding this treasure that their dad ended up putting in the in the ground or something like that. And at the end, they get home and then the the brother that loved being outside finally is like, well, maybe we could read some books. I don't know. I don't know why, how he came to that conclusion, but <laughs> it was a, it was a really fun project and I thought it was amazing at the time. But of course now I go back and look at it and it's, you know, so awful <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> it's a process. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's always good to be able to see that you've come a lot farther um, in that many years seeing growth. So reading was obviously very important to you growing up. Were there any books that stood out? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I was a I was a voracious reader. I loved uh, all the Harry Potter books. I really devoured the Redwall books. Um, I was obsessed with those at the time. Uh, anything with like talking animals, I was into. <laughs> I really loved Narnia. Anything that was kind of a fantastical world that I could escape into, I loved. I was constantly getting books from the library. Um, I was reading way above my my reading level. But yeah, those those two in particular were, were my favorites, Redwall and Harry Potter. And I understand you have experience as a children's bookseller. Yeah. <laughs> How has that enriched your own work? Um, it's actually enriched it. Really, really amazingly. Um, because I can um, be in, especially I work in, a, in an independent bookstore here in Cincinnati. It's called Blue Manatee. And um, not only are we an independent bookstore, but we're also a nonprofit. So we actually donate books to kids who don't have access to good uh, literature. Um, it's a kind of a one-to-one -one, um, thing. So you buy a book and then a book is donated. It's pretty cool. But because I work in a bookstore, I'm able to see what books kids are drawn to, which ones they actually like reading and not just the ones that they that their parents think that they're going to like reading. And then I get to see which ones the parents are drawn to and which the ones which ones are the ones that they want to buy for their kids. Um, and I sometimes find that there's a discrepancy between those two things. There are ones that always the adults are drawn to. And then there are ones that the kids are always drawn to. And there's this very small sliver of books where those two, um, those two things overlap. And that is kind of the magic little area that I want to try to get to. It's, it's uh, unfortunately, it seems to be kind of a rare um, thing that you can hit on. Um, but it's really, really cool to be able to actually actively see which books kids are into. I also do story time here in the bookstore. And so I can, I can see the kids' reactions kind of live and which ones work well for read-alouds and which ones don't, and which ones the kids think are hilarious and which ones the jokes kind of fall flat. So it's really nice as kind of an experimenting um, sort of playground. It's pretty nice. <laughs> Do you have any go-to picture books that you recommend or use for story times? Hmm. Well, there are a lot of them. I actually really, right now, I really like, there's um, one that's by, and I am probably not going to be pronouncing the name right, but Sirocco Dunlap and um, illustrated by Greg Pizzoli. It's called Crunch the Shy Dinosaur. 
That is a really, really fun one to read aloud because it's highly interactive. Mm. And the kids get to try to bring Crunch out of the bushes. They try to bring him out of his shell. And he, um, it, it's just so funny to like hear them all like sing happy birthday to Crunch the Shy Dinosaur. It's just so, so good. So funny. Um, so they tend to really like that one. Um, they also love ones that um, they can I tend to do a toddler story time. It tends to be about the age range that I do. And so anything that involves them jumping up and down or stretching their, their neck up. So there's an Eric Carle book that's called From Head to Toe. And it goes through all these different zoo animals. And they get to echo certain things that the animal can do. So can, uh, look at this giraffe. Oh, it has such a long neck. Can you stretch your neck out? The kids love being able to do things like an animal can do. Um, so that one they tend to really respond well to. Um, so anything that's kind of interactive, they really like. Speaking of that interactive quality, what kinds of creative workshops do you lead? Well, I do a couple of different workshops. I do one right now that's kind of my favorite, and it is sort of a story prompt character design exercise. And so I kind of have, um, I kind of introduce it by saying that I'm an illustrator and I say, you know, sometimes I sit down at my desk and I really don't know what to draw. And so I've, I've kind of made up this little exercise for myself to get the juices flowing, to try and get my creativity going. And so what I end up doing is I have them sit down and they have a piece of paper and there are three columns in it. And it's essentially the who, the what, and the where of a certain character. And I have a bunch of animals listed under the who. I have a bunch of different occupations listed under the what. So they're a doctor, they're a, uh, could be an artist, they could be a teacher. And so a whole list of occupations. And then the third option is where that animal might live. So they live in the desert or they live in the snow or they live um, in the jungle. And so then the kids have to draw a squiggly line that goes across that piece of paper and they have to choose randomly from each of those columns. So they might get a wolf who is a doctor and lives in the snow. And so then we all together we draw a wolf who's a doctor who lives in the snow and we try to come up with, okay, well, what does a wolf, what, what does a wolf look like? Okay. He has this type of ears. And if he is a doctor, what type of uh, thing can we, what kind of outfit could he be wearing that might indicate to our audience visually that he is a doctor? So then people can say, Oh, well, he needs a coat. He needs a doctor's coat. Or, oh, he needs a stethoscope. Or, oh, he needs this or that. And so then we keep adding things to our wolf. And then we move to our location. So if he lives in the snow, what might indicate that he would live in the snow? Oh, well, can we put piles of snow on the ground? Oh, can we have snow falling from the, from the sky? Oh, can we put some mountains in the background? And so I'm trying to lead them along this sort of storyline of how can we indicate to our audience, the person looking at this drawing, uh, how can they find out these things about our character? And then after that, I have everyone write a story 
about that character. And it is amazing the stories that these kids come up with. It, I barely have to nudge them at all. Their creativity just like goes wild. And it's so, so fun. So then at the end of the session, we all then share our stories that we made. Um, and I each have them individually do the exercise. So everyone has a different animal and different occupation and location. And we all share the different characters that we made. And it is just so much fun. The kids have a blast with it. And I absolutely love doing that. Um, but other than that, I kind of do some lettering workshops and other handwriting kind of things that are fun. But that, that storytelling one is the one that I really love doing. And are those events mostly local in Cincinnati? They are. I tend to do them primarily here in the bookstore. Um, and I've done them at a couple of different libraries around town. Um, but I would really like to kind of expand it a little bit more and do it elsewhere. It's a lot of fun. Can you discuss what you're working on now? Well, right now I am working on a new picture book that I will just be illustrating. Um, a friend of mine is writing it and it's pretty exciting. It'll be pretty fun. Um, it's about kind of the chaos of becoming a new parent and um, that your child may or may not be kind of acting like a monster. And so the the child is sort of depicted as this green monster with a uh, you know, a tail and, you know, kind of acts outrageously and the parents sort of melt into chaos so they don't know what to do. And then in the end, they learn to kind of embrace and love that chaos and uh, the joys of creating a family really, really evident. So that's with my, uh, my friend, Andrea Pfeiffer. So we're really excited about it. Finally, I realize the summer isn't over yet, but will you be celebrating Halloween at all? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to do a really fun, um, I think, Halloween-themed party for Mr. Pumpkin. Um, and I'm going to do definitely like a, a fun little costume party, I think, with my friends. And yeah, definitely some fun uh, costuming is going to happen this year. I'm very, very excited about it. <laughs> Excellent. Congratulations on the debut. And thank you for speaking with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Once again, I've been speaking with Erin Barker about her debut picture book, Mr. Pumpkin's Tea Party, due from Blue Manatee Press on September 3rd. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. <laughs>